Hey, Real Pink listeners, this is just a quick note to let you know all episode transcripts are available at realpink.komen.org under each episode's post. Our guest this week will be sharing a lot of great info and resources, and we don't want you to have to worry about rewinding or writing it down. Again, that's realpink.komen.org. Susan G. Komen is proud to launch the MBC Fund, specifically designed to spur scientific discoveries and support those women and men living with metastatic breast cancer, building on Komen's $210 million investment in breast cancer research. For more information on the MBC Fund and how to support it, visit www.komen.org MBC. This week on Susan G. Komen's Real Pink Podcast, we are hosting daily conversations about metastatic breast cancer. Just in the U.S., metastatic breast cancer is expected to kill more than 42,000 people this year alone. That's like a sold-out Major League Baseball stadium disappearing every year. That's unacceptable. That's why every day this week, during National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we're speaking with people living with metastatic breast cancer sharing their stories, their experiences, and their words of advice. Metastatic breast cancer is the most advanced stage of breast cancer and the deadliest form of breast cancer, accounting for the vast majority of the 42,000 deaths per year in the United States alone. Metastatic breast cancer has spread beyond the breast, most often to the bones, lungs, liver, or brain. Most incidents of metastatic breast cancer, 94%, are the result of breast cancer recurring after a person has previously been diagnosed with breast cancer and completed treatment for early stage breast cancer. There is no cure for metastatic breast cancer, although treatments are allowing women and men with metastatic breast cancer to live longer than even five years ago. Treatments focus on extending life and improving quality of life. To talk to us more about the importance of research dedicated to conquering metastatic breast cancer, I have on the show today, Kelly Shanahan. Kelly, welcome to the Real Pink Podcast. We're glad to have you with us today. Can you tell us just a little bit about your story? All right. Thank you, Adam. I'm really happy to be here. So my name, as Adam said, is Kelly Shanahan. I live at Lake Tahoe, California. I'm a wife, a mom, a daughter, a former doctor a woman living with metastatic breast cancer. And my breast cancer story began back in 2008 when I had a routine mammogram and had a pretty obvious breast cancer um, that had been missed on a previous mammogram. Hmm. Um, I live in a small town, a resort community. I was a solo private practice OBGYN with a nine-year-old daughter. I chose to have a bilateral mastectomy because we don't have oncology in my town. We didn't have radiation oncologists. I mean, if you break a bone and you need an orthopedic surgeon, you're good. But otherwise, I had to drive. And for me to have a lumpectomy and followed by radiation therapy would mean an hour and a half round trip drive every day, Monday through Friday. Wow. For five minutes in the radiation machine. And as a solo practicing OBGYN, I couldn't take that time away from my practice. So I chose to have a bilateral mastectomy. Okay. I remember my husband's not in medicine. He's a builder. And I remember taking like the little old dictaphone and recording what's the lymph node, what's the sentinel node. And I said to my husband, hit play so that the surgeon can hear this. I went to San Francisco for my surgery 
and then hit record so you can record the answer. And I remember waking up in the recovery room after my mastectomy saying, what's the node? What's the node? And I had one positive lymph node, which I knew meant I would have to have chemotherapy. So I had four months of pretty standard chemotherapy, went back and had my final reconstruction done, and then really put breast cancer behind me. It was something that was, you know, I to put in the past medical history section on forms. And I went on with my life. But five years later, I developed some back pain. And I thought, for sure, I was five years out. I was cured. Of right. course, at that five-year mark, you're cured. And slightly after that, I developed some back pain. I thought it pulled a muscle. Hmm. It get better. It got worse. Then I thought, oh, you know, a hernia did a disc. But I didn't have time to get it looked into because I still had solo private practice OBGYN right. and still had a, a kid to take care of and a husband. Um, so eventually I had some scans done and ironically I had the scans done on my birthday. I wasn't going to reschedule patients and I was about looked about two months ahead in my schedule and I went, Oh, there's only three people already scheduled for my birthday. I'll take the day off. Right. I had scans and I found out that I had, breast cancer that had metastasized to every bone in my body. And my back pain was actually a fractured vertebrae. And I was about to break my left leg. From I'm cured to the reality, which is somewhere around 25 to 30% of people with early stage breast cancer will have their cancer metastasize or spread to other parts of the body. Once that horse is out of that barn, you know, there's no going back. There's no cure for metastatic disease. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Yeah. There, there's certainly no cure. And I know that the research is, is kind of what's going to sort of help us tame uh, cancer and that nothing else will. And so we need to understand the biology of breast cancer, including the process of metastasis. I think I said that right. What are some of the promising new treatments for metastatic breast cancer that you're excited about? Yeah, there's so many things coming down the pipe. Now, I say I just I need to live long enough for the next new thing to come out. So I have estrogen receptor positive metastatic breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that's super exciting is is a drug that was just FDA approved. Alpelisib or Picray is the name. And it's for people that have a certain mutation called PIK3CA. OK, that was just approved um, like weeks ago hmm. and is super, super exciting. There's also some work going on for people also that are estrogen receptor positive, looking at certain mutations and finding drugs that can address that mutation. So there's a trial called Faction, F-A-K-T-I-O-N, right. looking at an AKT inhibitor. And I swear, I mean, who makes up these names for these drugs? <laughs> I love that you said that, especially as a former physician, because I often wonder that same thing. <laughs> Um, I, I did a really good job when I was practicing of, of speaking plain English. Yeah. And my patients thought it was because to help them relate, but it was really because I can't spell and pronounce all these things. <laughs> this, is a, this is an AKT inhibitor ca called Capavacertib okay. or something like that, mm -hmm. that has shown in trials so far to double progression-free survival in people who were previously on a drug like I'm on, an aromatase inhibitor that have progressed on that aromatase inhibitor. So that's super exciting coming down the pike for those of us that are estrogen receptor positive. There's a lot of work going on in the HER2 positive space. Okay. There is a trial called NALA, which 
my daughter, my daughter's 20 now, but The Lion King is still her favorite movie. So I hear that trial and I just want to start singing Naza Pena. Yeah, right. And this is a trial of uh, neratinib plus capsetidine. Capsetidine is already approved. Neratinib is um, approved in certain cases. And it's, again, showing um, not only improved progression-free survival, but improved overall survival, which means you live longer. And showing that it may delay the time for someone to develop brain metastases. So that's super exciting. But that's, you know, that's coming down the pike. And a, and a big one with the whole HER2-positive space are what are called antibody drug conjugates. There's one approved now, but there are others that are in trial. A friend of mine's on a trial now for a drug that is DS801A. And it's an antibody drug conjugate of trastuzumab hooked to a chemotherapy drug. So the chemotherapy drugs delivered only to the cells that have the HER2 receptor. Oh, wow. It's kind of like a smart bomb. Yeah, yeah. Directing the therapy where it needs to go. And um, she's doing really, really well. And a lot of patients on this trial are doing well. And then for triple negative breast cancer, which is the third big category, there was a trial, I think the results were first published last year, called Impassion 130. And it's a drug called atezolizumab plus a already approved drug, nabpaclitaxel, otherwise known as abraxane. Hmm. And they did an updated analysis recently. Um, they presented it at, I think at um, ASCO, the American Society of Clinical, Clinical Oncology meeting this June. And it showed that a very small amount of improvement in progression-free survival with this combination compared to placebo plus the abraxane hmm. really expanded. So now that they've looked at these patients for an additional year or so, they're really showing a very, not only statistically significant, but personally and clinically significant improvement in progression-free survival. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And so so I got to compliment you. Uh, you are the first guest that has ever referred to a treatment as a smart bomb. So that was amazing, by the way. Um, but then, but I, I want to dig just a little bit deeper into sort of how some of this stuff works. So, you know, metastatic breast cancers by and large are more resistant to standard therapies, as you know. So like, how are some of the treatments and therapies that you're aware of or have experienced? Like, how do they limit the side effects to allow metastatic breast cancer patients to live longer with a better quality of life? I'm super excited about this whole idea of the antibody drug conjugate, because again, if we can identify some, and that's one of the things, because if we can identify something that the drug can grab onto on the cancer cell, right. and you hook something else on, like a chemotherapy drug, so that again, it only goes to where it needs to go and its effect is there, because with traditional IV chemo, traditional cytotoxic IV chemo, the things that, that a lot of us were on, if you're early stage, the, the taxol, the cytoxan, those kind of drugs, you know, they're trash in every cell in your body. And so it's really, really hard on you. So if we can get that killing effect just where it needs to be, that is, there's so much potential for being very effective against the cancer. Like I always like to say, may your drug be tough on your cancer and easy on you. Yes, I love that. And the other interesting area of research is harnessing our own immune system to fight the cancer. Mm. They are, they're studying things called bidirectional antibodies. And again, if you think about it as there's one, a hook on one end that catches onto the cancer cell, 
there's a hook on the other end that catches onto the immune system and activates the immune system. So the immune system then recognizes that cancer cell as what it needs to fight, but not the normal cells in your body. It's another really interesting area of research that I'm super excited about because I think the more we can use what our body has, the better off we're going to be, the longer, the more durable response we're going to have, and the less toxicity we may have on the rest of our body. Because it's not just living a longer life, it's living a better quality life as well. That's right. Yeah. And and by the way, thank you for describing it the way that you do. It makes it like I understood what you said. So that's winning right there. Stuff is complicated. It's really good. So when you say like it hooks on to this, oh, that makes perfect sense. I love that. Let's do more of that, you know? That's why there will never be the cure because breast cancer is not a single disease. There's subtypes and there's subtypes of subtypes. So it's so complex. What I'm super excited about is Komen's 2020 Career Catalyst Grant. These competitive grants are focused on liquid biopsies in the metastatic setting. So liquid biopsies are blood tests that look for either cancer cells that are circulating in the bloodstream or DNA from the cancer, from the tumor that's circulating in the bloodstream. Okay. This is, I think this is an area of research that I am so excited about on a couple different levels. One is if we can look for circulating cancer cells, even in an early stage setting. Mm -hmm. And at a certain time point, if someone has circulating cancer cells, we then know that they're at an increased risk for developing metastatic disease or developing a local recurrence. They can be monitored more closely. Right. And may have treatment started. There have been a couple studies now that have shown in the metastatic setting that looking at circulating tumor cells and circulating tumor DNA can pick up progression about three months earlier than the best imaging test can pick it up. That's amazing. The question right now that's being looked at is, does changing therapy three months sooner make a difference? And and to me, it, it makes sense that if you have less disease to treat, that you're going to be able to treat it more successfully. Yeah. I don't see how earlier can't be better. So that's really exciting. And also... One of the things that I feel passionately about, and you can you can talk to people who've ever been at any of the big cancer conferences, because I invariably get up, go to the microphone and say, I firmly believe that every single solitary advanced and metastatic cancer patient, I don't care what kind of cancer it is, should have these liquid biopsies performed. Mm. Right now, we may not be ready to say oh, we identified these mutations and we have treatments for all these mutations. We're not there yet. But if everybody's tested and we figure out that, you know, 20% of people have mutation XYZ, well, then researchers know they need to study mutation XYZ. Exactly, right. It can inform the direction of research. So that's work that Komen's going to be funding. I mean, that is their focus of their career catalyst grant for 2020 is liquid biopsies in the metastatic setting. And I'm a Komen advocate in science, so I'm really excited about maybe being able to review some of these grants and give the patient perspective um, because Komen does look to advocates to give an opinion on potential grants 
because the advocate, the patient voice is so, what's important to us is important to Komen. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So how can someone diagnosed, how can someone diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer find out more about new and emerging areas of treatment and clinical trials? There's a couple of different ways. Komen is a member of an organization called the Metastatic Breast Cancer Alliance. And the metastatic breast cancer, and I'm also an independent advocate member of the same group. So um, there is a app that this organization has, Komen's partnered in all of this, that was about to start matching patients to trials. Komen itself has a clinical trial um, search, not a search engine, but a real life person will talk to you. Oh, wow. Going to Komen.org. And searching for clinical trials, you can actually talk to a trained nurse or trained navigator that will help you find a clinical trial. There's clinicaltrials.gov, which is the, the site where all clinical trials are registered. It's um, sometimes challenging. Even somebody with my background can have a little trouble wading through uh, clinicaltrials.gov. So I think COVID has some really wonderful resources and partners with other organizations that have really great resources to help us find clinical trials. I love that. I love that. All right. So last question, if you have just one piece of advice that you can give to someone diagnosed with a breast cancer recurrence or metastatic breast cancer, what would that advice be? It's actually a two part piece of advice. And the first piece of advice is just breathe. Hmm. Just breathe just breathe. And the second piece of advice is get a second opinion from someone from a center that specializes in metastatic breast cancer. Yeah. Most of us like me are treated in the community. And while my community oncologist and by community, I mean, I only have to drive 45 minutes each way on a good day, but he's seeing patients with all sorts of cancers. Yeah. I have sought a second opinion from a National Cancer Institute designated comprehensive cancer center with an oncologist who is one of the world's leading experts on metastatic breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And we can also utilize technology because some of these comprehensive cancer centers will do second opinions via telemedicine, via Skype. I think it's super important that, that all of us with metastatic disease have someone that that's all they do in our back pocket for when for when we progress, for when we need to look for a clinical trial. Yeah, that's great. Wow, that is so, so, such good advice. Uh, well, Kelly, this has been amazing, inspiring. Uh, I think you could be a professor if you wanted to be. You have a, a way of teaching that I really appreciate. So uh, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I really enjoyed our talk. Thanks a lot, Adam. I might have to think about that. I can't practice medicine anymore because of my disease, but you know, hey, maybe I could teach. You're great at it. I, I got to tell you, you're great. So thanks so much, Kelly. Thanks, Adam. Thank you for joining us for this special metastatic breast cancer series during National Breast Cancer Awareness Month on Real Pink. For more information about Komen's impact and initiatives related to metastatic breast cancer, visit komen.org forward slash MBC. It's time to end this disease.